You are listening to the Converge Media Network, uplifting our voices. Welcome to episode two of We Live in Color. This platform is for our Black LGBTQIA community members and allies. We're so excited to be here today. But before we even get into today's episode, which is called Taking Black Pride and Reclaiming Our Time, I got to shout out my community members. I don't know if y'all heard the news. Yes, it's Pride Month, but we got pride over here too. And we won an Emmy. Let's go to the clip. At Converge, we have a live director from Saudi Arabia, a cinematographer from Montana, an editor from Mexico City. Hear me now, meaning that you don't have to be black to uplift black stories. One more time for the people in the back. You don't have to be black to uplift black stories. And I'm going to tell you, you don't have to share skin tone or lived experience. You only have to share purpose. And that purpose is here. I'm so grateful to be a part of this platform with all my brothers and sisters and non-binary people in this community. Converge is here. Shout out to Omari. Shout out to Trey. Shout out to Besa, our production team. <coughs> Words can't even express how it felt to be on that stage. Cause I was actually, even before starting this show, I was actually scheduled to be a presenter. So nothing felt better than to sit there with my community of all our beautiful stories, of all the work that we do to win the governor's award. And if you do not know what the governor's award is for the Emmys, yes, the real Emmy, you should Google it. I appreciate all of you community members and we are Converge and the best is yet to come. We're not asking for a table. We are building our mother, Oh, thank you. Now, now let's get to where we're at. Today, our show is called Taking Black Pride and Reclaiming Our Time. Our guests today are the representatives of Taking Black Pride. And if you don't know them, they will show you today on why they are here and how we can do a better job of showing up as opposed to actually being there. I have to say, even before we start the show, that they are the reason why we are in color even exists. When we talk about inclusivity, when we talk about safety, when we talk about not being performative and authentically showing up for community members, these community members are setting their own table. Let's check out the clip. I think we're seeing a lot of queer, trans, BIPOC people taking space, not asking for it, taking it, celebrating one another, validating one another, and doing so in a way that no Pride event I've ever been to has managed to pull off. I think that the way we have built equity into the infrastructure and like act, like praxis of this event is something that I don't see at Seattle Pride events, which are very like corporate, right? It's give me your money, you're just gay, that's it. You're not, there's no acknowledging of like the very complex identities that we have. And that's what I'm seeing here. I'm seeing people celebrate one another and love upon each other in a way that we don't get. People are dancing, people are carefree, people are getting to know, like I said, getting to know new people, talking to people that they've never talked to. Um, you know, we have a lot of performers from out of state, you know, so our local performers are getting to know those folks and, and forming connections, um, which is amazing. People are enjoying good food. Um, we have folks out here, you know, 
um, getting their needs taken care of. We have a lot of healing tents. We have people getting massages, getting cold foot baths. This event is important to the Seattle BIPOC trans and queer community, uh, specifically because I think that Seattle um, and Seattle Pride type events often, you know, siphon the talent, uh, the labor, um, you know, of, of, you know, black and brown trans folks of color, black and brown queer folks, um, you know, and, and this is really an event that you know, that gives back, right? You can't pour from, from an empty cup. And I think that um, a lot of the traditional Seattle Pride events, you know, require us to give a lot of labor and they don't pour a lot back into us. And with this event, people are, are laboring, but it's a labor of love and they're getting so much more back into that cup. Um, and so that's, you know, that's what we want. I think for our community, a lot of the barriers and a lot of the disparities that occur um, within the black community and brown communities, um, but also within the LGBT community, all of those things are compounded and, and impact our community. You know, the, Twice as, twice as much, four times as much, um, in some cases, six times as much. And so, you know, I, I really feel like this is an event where we're, you know, we're centering ourselves, we're creating empowerment for ourselves, we're, you know, re reaffirming that we matter, um, we're reaffirming that we exist, we're reaffirming our humanity of silence as we have a dedication from one of our organizers for some of our queer community that we lost this year in the last couple of years. Yeah, I mean, we go through so much and also, you know, when we die, I feel like it's an afterthought to sometimes our community, but also just like the general public. We had some amazing folks in our community pass away. Um, LL, um, Constance Blakely. One, two, three. One, two, three. Honestly, I want people to know that like, we're not out here like trying to be revolutionary. This is not a protest. This is literally trans people wanting to be with trans people, you know, and wanting to be with our community and wanting to find that community again after COVID, after being, you know, just away from each other for so long. And so it's refreshing that we just have a sea of black and brown folks, but in particular, black trans folks feel safe. Um, I think it's also like our security out here, you know, holding us down. Um, I feel really great about that. Just having those between all of the collectives and folks who are here, having those connections it just makes sure that, you know, we weren't expecting to have 50, 50 ish people doing security, but they, you know, they just rallied for us in less than a week. Um, so I feel full. I feel just. I just feel so much, you know, sometimes I watch somebody perform or I see someone, I like get choked up because it's just, we haven't seen each other in a long time. Um, and so it's difficult to just like not want to run up and, you know, go onto somebody, but um, I feel full and um, relief that it's starting and no one kind of like showed up to harass us. And um, yeah.
there's so many people who are, you know, pissed off, like severely pissed off about reparations and you know, clearly we as a community can't give each other reparations. The general public, white people, whoever can't give us reparations. But I don't think folks see that um, it was an insult for them to sit there and say that we're like pocketing the money, um, especially when this is community funded. This whole entire project is community funded, you know, um, especially last year, 27,000 in two weeks. I feel like that goes to plane tickets, that goes to hotels, that goes to so many things, that goes to paying for food. Not everybody donated and we're paying for that food. You know, that goes to, and the, the crazy thing is I know, you know, I got a bag of money with me and that goes to the performers. So I literally pull from the reparations and give it to the performers. So it just feels like an insult. If only these folks that were here last year, then they would understand what the hell we were doing. Um, also, there's nothing wrong with getting funds from your community, even if it, it just it's so it boggles my mind because we we're the most marginalized. Right. And folks are pissed off that, like, we're collecting money and they can't even ask us, where is it going? And once you answer the question, they're just like pissed off. It's I don't know. I just feel like. Um, yeah, that whole the whole thing around that is just like disrespectful. They were going to do it again and we're going to keep doing it and they can stay mad about it. And we're going to do it again and they're going to stay mad about it. It's, that's, that, that was the line for me. Coming back, when we come back, we're going to be talking to the representatives of Taking Black Pride. You're here with We Live in Color with Deontay Damper. As a non-binary black femme, a lot of my identity is rooted in body. Once the vaccine was introduced, it was really difficult to think in terms of safety as well as autonomy. As a black American, the relationship with government is very complicated. It's hard to trust. A lot of these conspiracies are really impacting people making a decision, especially with black folks to be clear about what we're doing. I think it's just a well-rounded conversation to see what's best for us. Hey there, it's Trey Holiday. And of course, Besa and I had to take a trip back to Market Street Shoes to grab some items. They always know what to show us. And let me tell you, we both spent quality time to be sure we collected some amazing additions to our wardrobes. They have some of the most unique bags, shoes, and accessories. I mean, the whole shebang. It's always a good time when I get to shop with my girl, Basa. Make sure you go check out Market Street Shoes, y'all, and you too can walk out with some dope gear. And we're back. Welcome back to We Live in Color. We are here with our wonderful guests. Guess what you love? Would you do me a favor and please introduce yourselves with your preferred pronouns? What you do? I mean, yeah. Ivana, Anna Belowi, my pronouns are they and them. My name is Maddie, and my pronouns are also they, them. So happy to have y'all here today. Thank you. And I mean, long time coming. Yes. Um, <laughs> and so appreciate y'all being here. But I have to start start the conversation by asking, how did you get into this work? Do you want to start? Sure. Um, I always like to say through um, protesting, like on the ground um, work through uh, in Seattle. Uh, one day I saw someone holding a sign for Mike Brown and I was like, oh, okay, maybe I should, you know, join in, jump in, uh, jump, uh, jump in. And um, from there, uh, it took off ever since. But um, 
most of my like organizing career, I'd say like half of it was just like direct organizing and then um, kind of got like exhausting and tiring because I just uh, felt like I was just putting my body on the line constantly, um, showing up to meetings and going to school, like showing up to meetings, going to school, going to work all at the same time. It was so difficult. And um, no one ever kind of like gave me that talk about like burnout culture and putting a lot into your community, not getting things back. And so I took uh, a break for like a year and a half because I felt like folks weren't caring um, and then came back once, you know, I felt like folks started caring. And so I joined Queer the Land and Queer the Land is um, a something I'm a part of, it's a, a housing collective. So we just bought a 12 bedroom house in Beacon Hill. Yeah, <laughs> it started because, you know, we were wanting to combat gentrification um, and we attained our goal, got a house. And um, I felt like Queer the Land kind of focuses on um, relationship building. And that's kind of like what drew me to the work is relationship building and feeling like folks cared about someone like me. But um, yeah, so that's pretty much I got love that. And shout out to Queer the Land. <laughs> we will be putting them in the chat. <laughs> Maddie, what about you? Yeah, similarly to Ivana, I got my start um, just organizing um, and protesting and, and you know, just wanting to do more. Um, I am one of the co-founders of Trans Women of Color Solidarity Network. Um, and we are a grassroots collective that has been around since 2018, and we started with about $2,800 or $1,800. And since then, we've been able to give um, a little over $800,000 to trans women of color and trans folks of color uh, in Washington state. And so that's really big, um, you know, to be able to do. And, and really our goal with that project is to be able to be a financial um, safety net for trans women of color uh, in our area. Um, yeah, and, and really just be there to provide um, low and no barrier funds. We found that, you know, even yes. at the, the nonprofits that we worked at, that, um, you know, folks are often having to do a song and dance and kind of regurgitate um, their, their trauma to get access to those funds. And we wanted to create, um, you know, something different than that. Yeah. Absolutely. And I, sorry, you just gave me a flashback of some of my old traumas, <laughs> but <laughs> so now you're so and and. And Tawaxin is the, the name of the organization. Yeah, Trans Women of Color Solidarity okay. Network, okay. otherwise known as Tawaxin. Just wanted to put that out there for the plug. <laughs> Absolutely. So, so now, um, so how did you get started doing um, in the areas of taking Black Pride? Yeah, so taking Black Pride started when we were just standing in the middle of the Chop Chaz area um, do, during the, the BLM protests. Um, and we did not see space um, for the, the narratives and the experiences of Black trans people, yeah. right? Um, we know that, that Black trans folks um, often experience um, state violence um, at six times um, the rate of cis folks, right? And so... Um, and if I, if mm -hmm. I can, um, 2020 was one of the highest mortality rates for black trans women. Am I correct? Yes. Yeah, so, yeah, absolutely. Um, it was actually 2020 and then um, and then 2021 happened and that ended up being um, one of the highest years as well. So um, we're, you know, in the midst of of these protests, but also in the midst of just um, an epidemic 
of of death um, by the hands of, of folks, oftentimes within our own communities. Um, and so we definitely wanted to create a space where um, our experiences, our narratives, our joy, our grief would not be erased. Um, and where we could talk about, um, you know, what's going on, um, you know, within our own communities in terms of state violence, where we could strategize, where we could um, be with community and find joy with community as well. I love that, find and joy. And then keep in mind, like, so in, in 2020, how, 2021, mm-hmm. how, what, how, like, I, I mean, I've seen the video and of course I was there in attendance, but how did that feel kind of post-pandemic getting out and um, participating in that event? Yeah. Um, so you're talking about the second year? Yeah. The second year. Ooh, um, I think I cried like a lot that time, like the, the second year, because I felt like I just hadn't, like, I, didn't, I hadn't seen so many people um, unless I was like at the grocery store. So um, it was amazing. It was um, exhausting. It was the hottest day of the year, you know, but um, I feel like with the controversy and everything, it had me definitely on edge, but um, it's different when uh, it's the day of, instead of like the day before, because I felt like I just, we didn't know what we were going into. Like there was so much security. There was just so much talk about um, what was going to happen and then nothing happened. So um, I feel like it was amazing, but also nerve wracking. Um, So really, really happy um, as folks who'd seen the clips with the amount of security and the amount of folks that came and had our back. But yeah. Absolutely. You know, and we're going to talk about (laughs) some other things in a minute, but (laughs) I, I just in my experience, like it was the most welcoming experience that I've had, like coming out of the pandemic. I was over there with Lulu and I got a a health bath or mm-hmm. a bath. And I was like, it was so, it was so spiritual. And I just, I just never forget. And I also got me a massage. Mm-hmm. Shout out to the masseuse. Yeah. If you're, <laughs> if you're watching, I remember you, <laughs> but, but in the meantime, it was just such a great healing experience and being, being a, a queer black male. Sometimes we don't realize our own privileges and we don't take a step back to look at, about what humility looks like. And I've seen what that looks like in that space, so I thank you. But you know, after we come back from this break, (laughs) we're going to have to talk about something. And that's reparations. We'll be back. You're watching We Live in Color. (laughs) And welcome back to We Live in Color. We actually have another special guest. Can I get your name and pronoun, please? Hi, I'm Lourdes. They, them pronouns. Okay. Nice to meet you, Lourdes. Now, before we get into another hot topic. Um, Lourdes, tell me how you started doing this work. Yeah, I also, like Maddie and Ivana, have a history of organizing, specifically doing a lot of work um, after I graduated from college with anti-violence work in the Asian and Pacifica community in Seattle, specifically through API Chaya. And I did a lot of work with their queer and trans program for survivors and supporting BIPOC queer and trans survivors. Um, And with that work, I was able to build a lot of connections and relationships in community. And also I'm a co-founder of Trans Women of Color Solidarity Network, which- Also known as Tawaxin. Also known as (laughs) Tawaxin. And I feel so grateful. I've learned so much over the years um, being able to organize specifically in Seattle 
but also in very like multiracial spaces where black, brown and indigenous folks are able to come together and think about the worlds that we want and actually create them. And I think taking black pride is a really beautiful example of the ways that black and brown, queer and trans folks create worlds that we want. Yeah. And, and, and what I also respect about that is demanding it, right? Not feeling that you have to um, isolate your own thoughts and your own, um, not only your identity, but also in your Blackness, also also in your allyship, you know, like, and it happens so much in the community. Mm-hmm. So, which also leads me to the next question. Absolutely. Because, I mean, I, I mean I'm a shade room like fanatic, right? <laughs> like, you know, like, not, not on Watch Wendy Williams, but I love me some shade room stuff mm-hmm. and one of the things that I've seen was Seattle was on the map because of taking black pride, right? When they were asking. So I have to ask right. when, is it, is it about reparations? What does that look like for us? So uh, I wrote notes on this. So and, I'm gonna... I'm re- and I'm ready for it. We're ready for <laughs> um, it. Yeah. I think, you know, reparations was kind of the hot topic, right? Um, I think that um, what we were trying to do, you know, it was the second year that we were holding the event. Um, the first year it was crickets. No one really had a problem with it. We had, um, tons of support. Um, I think the second year, the moment that, uh, you know, uh, Capitol Hill pride said something about it, it kind of blew up with the, um, the, you know, the response, um, to their, their letter. And, and I think that really when we not to cut you off, but, um, can we reiterate like what was said in that letter? If you don't mind. Absolutely. I think they were just sharing that our that our event was discriminatory, um, that we were breaking all sorts of laws, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and of course, the clapback was epic. Um, <laughs> from I want to say it was the the LGBTQ commission, um, and and you know we couldn't have asked for a better response um, from our community. Shout out to the co-chair at that time, who was Deontay Damper. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So um, it, it's it's um, it's a top. It's a conversation that we really want to have with our community. I think that a lot of folks really aren't ready for that conversation. I think ultimately, what we were trying to do. Um, by really being specific about using the word reparations um, is to highlight the personal responsibility of white folks in structural racism, right? Um, and the benefits that they receive from being the beneficiaries of racism at the intersections of sexuality and, and gender identity. Um, you know, I, I think that um, one of the criticisms that we were getting um, specifically from our own community in terms of the black community um, was that, you know, we don't agree with what they're doing at the event. There should be, um, we should be focusing on state uh, state funded reparations, right? Um, and I think that while, you know, expecting or wanting state reparations is a good idea, um, I also think that it completely um, absolves the, the responsibility of individual people, right? So we know that, you know, the government isn't buying houses in the central district, um, and, and posting, um, you know, Black Lives Matter signs are, right? We know that, that white folks are, right? We know that, um, you know, there, there are things that are happening, uh, all around our, our city, uh, and our state that, um, that folks, specific folks have, personal responsibilities to either buy into 
um, or, or divest from, right? Mm -hmm. And what we see is that people are buying into those things, which is why, um, you know, some of the, the structural racism and structural oppressions um, continue to be upheld, right? Um, you know, we know that the government isn't alone in voting for, you know, policies that, that disenfranchise BIPOC folks of color and BIPOC trans and queer folks, right? We know that folks are voting, um, folks voting people into office, right? Um, and that we have a decision and a choice when we go to the ballot box um, to, to, you know, vote for initiatives and vote for policies that, that benefit certain communities or that don't benefit certain communities, right? And so I think that, again, one of the things that we really wanted to highlight is that sense of personal responsibility and, and the fact that you know, queer and trans BIPOC folks often don't get the same type of commercial um, funds that larger pride um, celebrations get, right? Yeah. Um, and that really um, just kind of highlights um, more of um, the racism that, that folks hold, but also the internalized racism um, that folks hold, right? And that we were trying to community fund an event and immediately get accused of, you know, oh, like, what are they doing with that money? Well, we're throwing an event with it, right? right. Um, and we also have a fiscal sponsor. So if folks really cared about the, the answers to their questions, right? Mm -hmm. Hit up the fiscal sponsor, right? Yeah. Um, I think that it takes a lot to throw an event like taking Black Pride and it, and it takes a lot to um, stand on your ideals, um, no matter what the backlash that you get. Absolutely. Um, and that's what we chose to do. You know, I think that um, it, it was the right thing to do. And if, if not us taking care of our community, then who? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I, um, I think that one of the things that I've realized, especially during months like this, right, in the challenges that have came, even watching um, our community members, well, community members throw, throw those type of stones, right? And I'm just going to look in the camera and say this, you know, um, you can you can also have racial undertones if you are LGBTQIA, okay? Absolutely. Let's 100%. like, you know, it's, it's, it's such a hurtful thing, right? Because it's like, well, what about us? Well, wait a minute. Well, it's wild that you say that because the most, um, gosh, the the most horrible, vitriolic, like horrible things that we heard from people were from white gay men, mm. um, which is which. Well, white gay men and um, BIPOC folks with white partners, okay. Um, okay. which is interesting outside of the like. That'll also be another discussion here <laughs> on the show, but we'll talk about that later. Um, you know, outside of the like right wing, like whatever, whatever folks, but. Um, those are things that really, you know, um, I don't want to say surprised us, but surprised us at the same time. You know what I mean? Like, I was just like, what is what is going on right now? Mm -hmm. um, but I think ultimately, you know, um, our hearts are in the right place. We really, you know, deeply care about community. Um, we don't get paid for this work. You know, we we spend a lot of our whole year planning. Um, and during that planning process, we're doing all of this labor for free um, just to bring community this event. And I think that that's something that's like really important to highlight also um, is that like we oftentimes work, um, you know, gosh, I don't know. 
men of honor are up sometimes till two, three, four in the morning on top of our day jobs. Mm -hmm. um, and we don't get paid for that. So this is all, you know, labor that we're expending just to support and uplift and empower um, our community. Yeah. Lourdes, what about you? Yeah. Um, thank you, Maddie. I think a lot about too with the reparations when we were asking folks in the first few years, um, actually allies and accomplices, like we asked for a sliding scale, they paid even more, you know, for being in this space. We also asked folks when we were um, like last year in particular, if folks could make space specifically for black and brown queer and trans folks, you know, like just to be conscious of like the space that they take up and people that wanted to be there or understood like honored that. Yeah. So I just wanted to highlight that too. I'm like, mm -hmm. you know, like there were people that um, wanted to show like up for the event and also acknowledge like the space that they were taking yeah. and contributed to the fund without like resistance to it. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I, sorry, I, I just salute y'all to, for, for not only just the willpower, but the resiliency in that, right? Because it was post-pandemic. And honestly, I think that we didn't know what joy looked like, right? It was so hard to find the joy, you know? There was so many people, but I love so much. It's like, with the Taking Black Pride event, the, these are my community members that are out there in the trenches that are case managers that are outreach people that are like we work engaging in community building mm -hmm. community with one another and i think for the first time like in a long time with all the things that were impacting community they just i just seen joy on everyone's face absolutely and i think mm -hmm. that that what you said about community building is really the center the center uh of the event right um, you know, we had HIV testing, we had self-defense kits, we had um, ways for folks to take care of themselves. We were, you know, making sure people didn't get heat stroke, frankly. Um, you know, we were um, giving people the money that we received, yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, you were out there throwing dollars. We yeah. were, it was more than dollars. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, we were, we were giving people the money back. Um, and, you know, I think that you know, at the root of all of this, at the root of the reparations, at the root of the event itself, it's it's community. It's, yes, absolutely. It's a, a deep respect and a deep love for, you know, for our community and really wanting our community to have a space where they have physical um, and psychological safety, right? And, and with the reparations, we want people to invest in the space, um, knowing that that space is about um, physical and psychological safety of our community, right? And and if people, um, you know, are not okay with that, then I and I feel like really, folks aren't as progressive as they as they say that they are, right? I think that after you know this has been a year uh, of attacks on the trans community, um, and I, I really feel like we deserve something that is ours. Right. We deserve to, to be with each other um, and support each other and have fun with each other um, and celebrate each other. Um, and so I don't see why anyone wouldn't want to support that. And that right there is a word. Uh, we have one more break and we will come right back because we want to show y'all who we appreciate, who helps us live in color. And we're back. Sorry, y'all. I had to. I had to move around a little bit. So this is my favorite part of the show. This is where we are able to acknowledge our community members 
who have helped us live in color. And I want to just give y'all an opportunity to discuss um, our community members. So go ahead, Lawrence, you can start first. Um, oh, wow. I get emotional about this because our first year of taking back pride, um, this loved one, Constance Blakely, was in attendance and also supported us in creating it. And Constance was and continues to be as a transcestor, um, a guiding light for us in our work. And I feel like we we dedicate and commit ourselves to this joy because of her. And she's deeply missed, you know? Like, I know that she's really present, um, but we miss her so much. And um, and I know she's here. And I feel like she was also one of our protectors last year when we were getting all these threats. We knew that if she was here, she would, she would be responding and, um, be that protector and loving presence um, and continues to be for us. So we dedicate like a lot of this work, this joy, um, the dreaming that we're creating um, to Constance. Absolutely. Um, <sighs> Constance was, um, was our sister, you know, our, our little sister. Um, but she had so much um, knowledge and wisdom um, to give. And, and she truly believed in um, the goals of, of taking Black Pride. She, you know, what played a huge part in organizing the event the first year. And, you know, from that year on, she um, passed in, I want to say 2001. Um, and... You know, we want to make her proud. We want to, um, you know, memorialize her with this event because she's one of the reasons why um, this event exists also, right? Um, she was also, you know, taking part in um, conversations about um, being erased from conversations about um, state violence, right? Um, and um, she continues to be just really instrumental to driving um, our, our goals and our priorities, not just for taking Black Pride, um, but with Trans Women of Color Solidarity Network, too, which she was also um, a core member of as well. And, uh, and just for the record, Constance helped me a lot when I was working for um, the correctional facilities in making sure that I understood hey, trans women do not have access. Mm -hmm. They have to wait an extra six months. Deontay, pay like, honey, pay attention to like what's, how this is actually impacting our community. So I've never, we, we worked at POCAN temporarily with each other, but constantly up until the end, end, she was always advocating for people to show up. She didn't care how you did it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> she wanted you to do, the, do it the right way. Absolutely, absolutely. And then we do to the next um, clip as well. And this is now. Who is this lovely gentleman? Oh, sorry. Um, LL. <laughs> LL was uh, just a fireball. <laughs> um, <laughs> they, they were so amazing. I remember um, uh, when Fox that actually gave um, them support in, in buying a, a car. And I remember them calling me and being like, yay! Like, it was, <laughs> they're just so amazing. Um, not only were they amazing, but they were intelligent. They were loving. 
They were kind, um, but they would tell you where to go in a moment um, if you cross them boundaries. And, and that's what I loved about them. Um, they brought this like, uh, I don't even know how to explain it, like this kind but direct um, presence um, to all of the relationships that I that that I've seen them have and that that I had with them and and it was just yeah they they were amazing they were uh, a birth worker as well um, and and helped to found um, I want to say it's QPOC Birthworks um, Birthwork Project and they were just deeply devoted to um, health equity for um, for BIPOC trans folks and queer folks for sure. Amazing. Yeah, um, so LL, or also known as Lucia Leandro, um, was a dear community member and friend. Um, and like Maddie said, did such beautiful work around birth work and making sure that queer and trans folks, especially trans folks, had access to reproductive rights and resources. Um, they also had such a love for kids and families, specifically queer and trans parents. And as a parent myself, like they were always really supportive and and always dreamed and involved our kiddos, you know, and like remember the mm -hmm. kids and families and parents and the ways that queer and trans people create family, chosen um, family was all valid and, and LL was just so missed. Um, also, they were so good at dressing, like their <laughs> outfits were always so fly. <laughs> <laughs> um, always the cutest shoes, the cutest outfit. Um, yeah, I, their heart and their energy is always felt. And I feel like they also were guiding us and protecting us last year, too. Yeah. LL and Constance, thank you for showing my community members yes. how to show up and dress nice, but yeah. show up and be cute. <laughs> and show, but you know, because sometimes you, you got to do both. You know, <laughs> you do. But as we sit here, we live in color. So, uh, very grateful for y'all to share that with our community members. If y'all don't mind, I'm gonna share a couple of people um, with y'all. So I lived in Pensacola, Florida before um, my community, before I was actually impacted with actually understanding my identity. And these, these women are the ones who I would like to thank here um, because I watched them go through so much. Moet Da Vinci. Moet Da Vinci, Amaya, Amaya Glamazon, Ariana Bailey, and my girl, <clears throat> Ms. Diamond Asajj Sherrington. When I was homeless, you housed me. When I didn't understand, when I needed to go get tested and didn't understand exactly what that looked like, you took me to go get tested. When I didn't have money to get into the club, you made sure I made it to the club. When I was going home with the wrong boy, you made sure I was going home with the wrong boy. When I was stealing out of Walmart, you had that rescue car for me. I don't forget those moments. And yeah, I'm here in Seattle, but I think about Pensacola often and see how, think about how gorgeous you women were and watched and didn't really have enough humility within myself to understand your fight but I see it now. So as I stand here with saying the show, we live in color, you are a part of the colors, me, and I love you, all four of you. I haven't even talked to y'all in probably two to three years, but that love is still there. That A50 love is still there. So I thank you for teaching a young queer boy like me how to live in color. Okay, all right. Um, so now we're gonna go to the events now. <laughs>
<laughs> okay, so so next, so this this coming Saturday, I am going to be hosting an event with my people up there in the space this Saturday from seven to eleven. We'll be putting um, some information out there on our blog um, to give y'all more information on that. We were going to have jazz singers, we're going to have a couple of comedians, um, and I'll be doing some comedy too. So, oh, so there we go. Okay, good. So yes, so that's in the space, and we're going to be over there at one three one three Fourth Avenue in Seattle. So please look out for us because we're going to be in that piece. Okay. Oh, so now we. Um, so now it's your. Um, what? So can y'all explain? Ask community about the. Well, let community know about what's happening June twenty fifth. Absolutely. On June twenty fifth, we are having. Taking Black Pride again for the third year in a row, uh, this time at Seattle Center um, at the Mural Amphitheater. Um, we have an amazing uh, set of BIPOC vendors. We have amazing food for community, um, both food that is free and, and that you can pay for. Um, <laughs> we have amazing events for families, um, sponsored and hosted uh, by families of color. Um, Seattle, who has been really amazing um, at providing, um, you know, youth programming and, and, and programming for families at our events. Um, and there'll be uh, child-centered activities um, for everyone, which will be very cute. So um, it's a great time for the whole family. There will absolutely be performances. Um, and I think Ivana can, can say a little bit more about the performances. I guess not. Well, uh, well, we have a lot of them. Yeah, a lot of them. Yeah, so we, we have folks like um, Kid Ken, PP Cocaine, Miss um, Mojo. We you have were born. The, yes, we were born. Um, uh, Burgo Husky. We have Milan Gianni. Um, we have Paris Alexa. We have Nitty Scott from New York. Um, who else do we have? Can you guys think of anybody else? Everybody but my Oh, we have Lucci, uh, Ooh, uh, local Lucci. favorites also. Um, we have uh, Cutting Up, okay. um, which is always a, a fan favorite, I think. Um, we have Nyla Belladonna, who's a really amazing uh, trans rapper uh, out of Miami. Um, we just have just an amazing, amazing uh, set of trans and queer performers. And, and we're really excited to be able to be in a position to bring all of that excellence to community and and be able to soak in all the excellence of our, our community back. And and, all, and it's a great space for everyone to come show up. But totally, can you tell us a little bit more about the acts? Because we still need some donations, don't we? I know we need some donations. We do need, need donations. <laughs> um, I think you know. Again, this event is not free. I think this year we're 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 doing it big we're at seattle center we want to be able to accommodate everyone that um you know that that wants to come and so um you know community donations are a really big part of that um and a really big part of being able to keep the event uh completely free for our community um and so you know if folks are looking to donate um that would be absolutely amazing yes and we appreciate that so my brother's here at converge and our community at Converge owes out in Tanzania, but we want to make sure that you see us standing here because we're standing with you mm -hmm. and we're giving, we're donating $250 to awesome. y'all, to the Thank event you. and want Thank everyone you. else to do it too. Absolutely. And, and it's all about just making sure that we show up and authentically show up for everyone in the space. So we thank you and we see you. 
Okay. Thank you, Thank you so you. much. Y'all made me stand up. I usually don't even stand up. Proof, you want to say something? Proof's one of the hosts um, of our uh, of our uh, Tuesday show, which is Truth for Proof. It comes on on Tuesdays. Okay. Eight thirty, like clockwork, man. I, I I commend you for being exactly who you are whenever you want to be. You know, sometimes everybody doesn't, you know, want to be them. You look mm-hmm. in the mirror and you being just yourself. I can respect and love that from anybody that can look in that mirror and say, "Yo, I'm." exactly who I am. And mm-hmm. I'm proud of that. So I really commend that. Thank you so much. I appreciate much. it. Yeah, man. So, that, yeah. Uh, you know, I love the energy, man. So why am I on the show? Because <laughs> I, I just, I just, <laughs> just want to prove to be a guest on my show real quick. So thank you. <laughs> I do want to mention really Absolutely. quick, um, we're actually one of the only events like our event in the United mm-hmm. States. Um, while we were kind of planning for the event, we tried to look up other events around the United States to uplift um, as well. And we have found that a lot of them have, um, you know, fizzled out due to lack of support and lack of funding, fizzled out due to mismanagement of, um, you know, kind of city governments, you know, trying to um, take over um, events that should be most that should be informed by by community. Um, and so that really kind of highlights, right, where we are in terms of, of pride, right? right, and in terms of who is able to um, celebrate pride, right? We often talk about, um, you know, that, that black trans women and black and brown trans women are, are the root of pride, right? The reason why we celebrate pride um, and we use them as figureheads but we don't often support communities trying to create pride within their own communities like we're trying to do. And so in terms of of donations, we're really looking for folks to really think about the roots of pride um, and think about why we celebrate pride um, and really contribute to um, black and brown BIPOC trans folks um, to be able to be safe in pride spaces, right? And be valued in pride spaces and and really um, be able to celebrate um, pride on our own terms. Yes. Almost custom. <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's real still. That's what I'll say. <laughs> I do want to make sure I, I thank y'all so much for coming here today. Um, it's so appreciated. And as I stated, this show would not be what it is un- until y'all y'all told us, hey, learn how to what safe spaces look like, learn how to take accountability while you are in that safe space, and also Live with black joy. Mm-hmm. And that can go all around for everyone and pay them reparations. <laughs> but in the meantime, I want to thank my guests for taking Black Pride. I want to thank my production, the production team, Salman. Thank you so much. Um, join us in the next two weeks. Our next week, uh, get, ne- in the next two weeks, sorry, y'all. <laughs> uh, our next guest will be Mila Sky um, slash Sebastian. So it's going to be the love story of Sebastian and Mila. Thank y'all all for joining. We live in color. Have a great night. Thank you. Converge Media produces culturally relevant content for Black and urban audiences. Our coverage is raw, transparent, and objective, praised by community leaders, government officials, and residents. Support Converge Media today via Venmo, Cash App, or PayPal at Converge Media.